Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Behind the Veil, a show that provides insight into the world of weddings. Today, we're going to be talking about good business practices, how to be a good business owner, um, as well as being a creative type, because I know, I know a million amazing, over-the-top, creative human beings, some of the most creative people I've ever met in the entire world, but does that mean they're a good business person? And specifically, as we come out of COVID and our businesses start to grow pretty dramatically, when do we have the choice of bringing on employees or talking about contractors? And what really is the difference? Is there a difference? Well, today we have Michelle Loretta, who's going to be joining us shortly. That's going to help us kind of navigate some of these questions. But before I bring her on, let me introduce Marcy Gutenberg with an affair to remember by Marcy. Hi, Marcy. Hi, Kate. So I'm super excited because I, our guest today comes from the invitation world. Hello, yes. you finally Yay. have someone. Invitation I have person. some company today. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and you're a small business person as well. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's when do you contract versus hire? I mean, even exactly. though, you know, and I think I confuse those two, two terms a lot of times that contract and hiring somebody can mean something different. But luckily we have Michelle Loretta. Michelle, welcome to the show. I just want to talk, talk about your bio a little bit. It's you have a degree in accounting and you've been in this, you were in the stationing business way back in 2004. And then <laughs> 2009, you're like, Oh, I'm going to start educating some of my peers. Like, <laughs> like you decided like, Oh, you know what? I'm really good at running a business. Just well, not- it really stemmed from my corporate background, to be quite honest, because, yeah. you know, in 2009, not a lot of people in our industry were talking about the business side of events. Right. So you'd go to a conference and you'd learn how to throw an amazing event. And so a lot of the education was more focused on the creative side of it. And so um, coming from corporate, like a big accounting firm like Deloitte, and I also worked for Coach and an importer of children's clothing as well and I've worn different business hats, right. uh, there's some lessons that we can learn from corporate that we should be applying in our industry. Nobody's talking about these things, like how to write a business plan, for example, or what a financial strategy is all about. And so the business blog was started really because of the corporate background. Yes, I had a stationary business, but it was the corporate lessons that right. I was trying to bring to the table in our industry. Yeah. And it's my fault. I didn't, I, I didn't talk about the big, the, hello, the big companies, Deloitte <laughs> and Coach. Yeah. And by the way, welcome Brooke Logan Stoner. That was my fault, by the way, again, second week in a row, it's my fault that she's a little late. So apologies. Hello. 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 I got that raise last month. I'm just saying. I know exactly. <laughs> right. But you know, hello I, everyone. I, and welcome, Michelle. Hello. Hi, Marcy. <laughs> but you know, Hi, I, Keith. What? I know. Thank you. Exactly. She's like second row, second week in a row, dude. Okay. Come on. That's okay. Uh, but you know, okay. When, so you just said a scary word, business plan. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, as a entrepreneur that got into the creative side, I mean, I came from the world of hotels. So yeah. events seemed like a natural progression. It's like it, the, my biggest thing about what getting into this business was trying to figure out how much I should charge and how much my, my worth was like where I yeah. fit in the, but sitting down and actually writing out a business plan. I'm like, well, is it, is it yellow? Is it a pattern? Does, yeah. is, it, is there lighting involved? You know, I mean, board? exactly. Is, I mean, that like, I invented know. the glue for post-its. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, you know, uh, before we get into versus contractor versus employee, yeah. you know, the business plan side of it, tell me, 
explain exactly what a business plan is on, Ross, this, I think on the is, quick you side. Say, you're so right. You say the word business plan, especially a bunch of around a bunch of creatives, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like yeah. that sounds like the most painful, grueling thing. Like, do I really oh, have horrible. to write a business plan? Oh, because it's horrible. Some of us have maybe heard about it, or if you went to business school, you may have had to put one together, and it was like a painful process. Um, but business plan doesn't need to be like that. You don't need to follow that really structured document type of thing for your business plan. The The beauty of writing a business plan is the the thinking that goes behind it, right? And, okay. and it comes down to like, you know, what is my business all about? Who am I selling to? What am I selling? Oh, how am I going to price it? How are they going to learn about it? Why is it that they want it? who's going to deliver it, you know, the operational structure, the staffing, the production side of things. And then how am I going to make money off of it? I mean, that in a nutshell is a business plan. Man, and I so started phasing us, out just even. I know. Yeah, like, <laughs> and that I'm was like a five-second version of a business plan. We, we can work together on one for three months if you want. That was, I mean, oh, yeah. see, that's awesome. I love the idea of three months. But, you know, I, yeah, I, but you, and I get it. Everything that you're saying makes total sense. But, you know, when, you, when I hear business plan, I'm thinking of like a 40-page document, yeah, all single no, line spacing yeah. and – you know, like does it have to be as complicated as that? Do that? Yeah, no, nobody needs to do that. So when I work with people, I tell them like, put it in a format that's going to make sense for you. And for a lot of people, that's literally like headers with bullets, right? Like it's like a planning sheet. Like yeah. this is, this is who I ideally want to be selling to, you know, this is where they're looking for information and it's like right. lists and bullet points, right? right. It becomes kind of like the strategy guide. But if you want to make like, you know, Pinterest boards for it instead, or some people put together like, you know, dream bulletin boards, you can, you can make the business plan however you want, right? Like you can do magazine cutouts if like that's what you're going to connect with, right? Now, if you're going to go ask somebody for money, they... They may want something more structured, right. um, maybe even not a document. It's probably going to be like a PowerPoint. They may not even look at like, they may only look at the numbers to be quite honest. So I'm talking like bankers or investors, right? So that process may be a little bit more, you know, structured, but the reality is in our industry, we're not writing business plans for money, right? Like right. people don't give event producers money to grow their businesses typically it's it's unusual so we're writing it for ourselves to really think through all pieces of the business and i love that because it also it it helps you kind of align your goals and give and i like the what you said dream board because i think everybody can relate to a dream board and to have that as 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 a you could actually use that as your you know business plan a dream board awesome yeah like really Okay, yeah, honestly, I get that. For, like, the, for the marketing piece, you could define your ideal customer. Like traditionally, it's called target market, right? But these days, we talk more about like an ideal client that you want to work with. Like, who is she, right? I was working with somebody that she's like, oh, she's Tracy Ellis Ross, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting so many ideas of like <laughs> who this client is and why they would buy from you, right? Like, let's let's define like what does Tracy Ellis Ross want in her life? Now I get it. That's a lot more tangible visible and interesting too right then opposed yeah. to like well i have a bride she's 25 years old and <laughs> so it's better think- than like a unicorn pooping hundred dollar bills I mean- <laughs> yeah right like anybody that just has it- like a million dollars in their bank account that's my customer right <laughs> I, I i don't know i'm pretty big on a unicorn pooping dollar bills that's all yeah exactly exactly the unicorn I mean- client then we, we want them all <laughs> right but but it does make sense and it does help when you go okay let's do a business plan but let's do it as a, a dream board okay 
Yeah, whatever, you, whatever format's going to resonate with you, right? Yeah. So you sold yeah. me on this, right? So now, yeah. so now I've got my basic business plan. Do is it something that you feel like needed needs to be redone now that we're emerging back from COVID? So my recommendation is typically you're going to write a business plan. Well, not, not everybody, but some people start like Put the together first year business in business. Plan, yeah. yeah. The reality is like that first year in business, you don't really know who you are or what you want or what your business is all about, but it's an important step to at least get some things in, in place so that you know where you want to go with your business. At about three years in business, that's when you start to realize like, oh, I have something here, but it wasn't what I thought it was. So that business plan that you write at three years is going to be a lot more valuable and more important than the one that you wrote at the minute that you opened your doors. I would say that any time that your business is going through a huge shift, you're either wanting to expand your business in a different way. Maybe you want to expand markets or maybe you want to expand services. You've always done weddings and now you want to do corporate. Um, or maybe you have some bigger goals or you're trying to reach a better target client. Anytime you have a major shift in your business is where you want to go back and either rewrite the plan or revisit the plan. A lot of times you're writing a new plan when you have a big shift like that. And so with the pandemic, some people have gone through a big shift and they realize like, I don't I don't like the clients I used to work with. I was spending too much time with them. I'm giving them way too much. I only want to do 10 weddings a year. Like this is just too much work. Right. And so there are a lot of people right now going through that reassessment where it's like, I need to rethink my business because I don't want I don't want that business. I want a different business. And that's a good time to write a business plan. Well, that's really interesting yeah. because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going through that as well. It's like, you know, the, what I used to feel comfortable doing beforehand mm. is not what I feel comfortable doing now. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. I, and also as I raise my pricing, yes. my, my clients expect more out of me. Yes, completely. You yes. know, so completely. part of my, part of my dream board is having less clients, but being able to be more detail oriented with them. And that is like prime business plan material right there, right? Because you raise your prices, but it's not just about saying like, oh, my prices are all of a sudden this, right? right. Now it's thinking about like, okay, well, really, okay, who's going to pay for that? Where are they getting married or where are they doing events? Like, how am I going to build relationships with those new vendors? And right, like, and so all these sequence of events kind of happen when you make a shift like that. Well, and, and I just... I, again, getting from one business plan or one dream board to the next dream board does make me feel like, okay, I need to have an intermediate board going on. Like, you know, <laughs> what, where, where, where do I need to be in three months, six months, a year? Yes, you know, completely. Yes, and, completely. And then, of course, so you get to a point in your business and, you know, like I hire contract uh, on a contract basis. So I have mm -hmm. a, a group of people, Brooke being my main one, that are my logistics experts. So I know that the, the wedding is going to ha be handled flawlessly. And I'm there just there basically for personality and make sure that I'm overseeing everything because, again... Oh, how the roles have reversed. Right? But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but when do you get to a point that you say it's better to have hire somebody that is on in your business versus a contract and yeah. it, and really what is the difference besides me paying the taxes so okay so here's what a lot of people in our industry think they a lot of people think that it's a choice that you as the business owner makes the reality is that the irs has has decided it for you whether you like it or not they have defined the terms of contractor versus employee. And so with a contractor, I think a lot of times people think like, oh, it's the hours and the tools and like some of those um, ideas from maybe like 20 or 30 years ago. The reality is that like 
it, if you are defining the way that somebody works, if you are training them, if you are, if they're so deeply involved in your client relationships, um, if you've brought them up like from college and they're brand spanking new, if you're very involved in kind of coaching them through the process of working in your business, mm-hmm. they're likely, they should be classified as an employee. They're very deeply ingrained in your business. It doesn't have to do with, they can work three hours a week, right? right? does not matter the number of hours. It doesn't matter flexibility, things like that. Now, if someone truly is an expert event producer, maybe they have their own business. Maybe they provide event planning services for lots of different um, companies. Um, Maybe they have 20 years of experience and they truly work independently and they are literally showing up. You are giving them the clipboard and they're like, okay, yep, run it, running. I'm running the event. That person, because they are such an expert in their field, are likely better or okay to be classified as a contractor, right? And so you want to be kind of thinking about like, if it walks like a duck and tucks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And that goes for employees. Like you can call them a contractor, but the IRS doesn't care at the end of the day. If you have so much investment in how they do their work, how they're being paid in their finances, how they're being trained, the decision-making that they do behind the business, they're likely an employee. Wow. Okay. So that just totally threw me for a loop because- yeah, that's because I, like pretty much like 90% of the industry. <laughs> well, because to be honest, there are businesses out there that say we only do W-9s. There are, there are businesses that say you may work for us multiple times, multiple times of the year. We may be calling you almost exclusively, but we only do W-9s. I know. Is that really legal then? Not necessarily. Um, here's the well, thing. Like, just because you're not caught by the IRS doesn't right. mean that it's the right way to do it, right? Like, it, it only takes one time for you to be in this situation. When I see it flare up, it's typically a few things. Um, right. A lot of times it's coming from the, the worker side, right? So the worker doesn't always totally understand what it means to be a contractor. And so they're just thinking like, oh, I... I don't have to pay taxes. The reality is they're paying their own, they're paying all their taxes, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you'll see it kind of flare up if a contractor files for unemployment. Now that changed with the pandemic because they allowed contractors to file for unemployment last year. But before that, that's usually when you would see a ding because then the labor office would go like, oh, wait a second, you're not employed by this person. Oh yeah, I'm employed by the person, but I'm a W-9 employee. A W-9 is not an employee. (laughs) No. So, so yeah. Well, that's really, I mean, because, you know, I find, because then what do you do if you're bringing on employee? How difficult is it to adjust your taxes to account for a, an employee? And then do they also end up making less money over the time? Because I'm, I have to then pay their taxes. So yeah, Are usually there that? is a there usually <laughs> right? is a, a, there usually is a pay adjustment um, because you are paying their taxes. Also, the rate. See, here's the thing: when you're paying a contractor, you're assuming that you're paying a business, and it, and to pay a business is a lot more expensive. Hmm. If I pay you, Keith, to to run my event, I'm going to be paying you at least hundred dollars an hour, right? Because I'm paying your business, right? Right. And it's the same with a contractor. A contractor, in theory is a business that you are paying to execute on their event. You are a client of that contractor in theory, right? And so you may be paying them a premium. So typically there is a price adjustment. 
Um, and you know that there's different well, strategies for doing that. <laughs> wow, this gets really confusing because there are people that I just hire for setup as yeah. an individual that don't have an LLC that are not set up as a business that you pay them as an individual mm -hmm. and you collect their W9 because it has their personal social security number on there. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then there's only, uh, only if you pay them more than a certain amount, does it really become part of something that you have to report? So yeah. there's a lot more to this than simply, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing. Um, I think in, in most situations, if someone is working for you so minimally, it's not going to pop up on the IRS's radar. And so, yeah, if they've worked for you less than $1,000 in a year, it's likely the IRS is not going to find this. When I see it kind of flare up, I see it come up with like videographers that have big teams that have teams of 20 contractors, floral right. designers that have huge teams like that. That's when I tend to see these things flare up. Wow. Um, I don't tend to see younger businesses flare up as much smaller dollar amounts, but that's not saying that it can't, right? So right. technically, you can have somebody that works three hours a month or seasonal, it's seasonal staff, right? Seasonal employee. Um, think of a restaurant, right? You, you staff somebody and they may work some Saturdays, they may work some Tuesdays, they, you're staffing them you know, according to your needs. And sometimes it may be five hours a week and sometimes it might be 20, right? Right. Um, again, it's not so much how much time they're working for you or how many months. It's a lot more about the nature of their work. Almost like the intent. Yes. A hundred percent. Yep. Yep. Like I intend cigarettes and booze. Like I look cheap. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> wow. So what the, what is the intent behind it? And then of yes. course it gets into a whole bunch of tax law that, you know, I would then have to figure out. So here's the thing that I think really stops people from hiring employees. It's, it's just that small, like little first step in the learning curve. And it's actually not as complicated as people think, but people are so scared of making that first step that they're all a contractor. It's so much easier, but the reality is Contractors, you're giving W-9s, you've got to process 1099s, you've got to navigate this risk, you should be sending contracts. There's actually a lot of paperwork when con when contractors are done right that is actually not that much easier than an employee, to be quite honest, right? Because if the contractor's done well, you should be sending them contracts at least on an annual basis, right? That's way more complicated than employees. Wow, this is... An employee, you bring them in and yes, there is paperwork that goes into it, but there's services these days like Gusto is amazing. Gusto.com. They manage all that paperwork when you bring in an employee. Okay. Right. I'm writing this down. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> you can also get the people plan from us. I don't have the people plan. I'm revamping it. It's going up in the fall, but that's mm. a really great resource of like, all the things you need in place to kind of bring in that first employee. And well, the first time you go through it, there's a little bit of a learning curve, like with everything. And then, and then you, you've got it going and it's like, Oh my gosh, this is actually not as hard as I thought. Well, and I think that it is also an adjustment for the person that's coming on as an employee, because yes, it could reduce the, what they're making by 30, 40%. Depending on yeah, usually what I see is like there's like a, an offsetting that happens. So right. a lot of times as a contractor, like you're not guaranteed work oftentimes. And so right. that's where I see the leveling off come in. It's like as an employee, listen, yes, you're technically your hourly rate is going to be less, but I can guarantee you. 
so many hours and you're going to actually end up having like a, you know, part-time or full-time job that is, makes a lot more sense to you over time is kind of what it comes down to. But there's different you, ways that you can kind of make up for losses and things like that with sales commissions, if they're in sales positions right. and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I, I'm so I'm a little a little bit even more confused now just because I feel like in the world of events it's always fluid. I mean mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. Summertime sometimes yeah. there is it drops off to almost nothing Completely. and then you got three months that go crazy. Then you may have a couple of months that drop off. And then, so how do you adjust your employee? Once they're employee, they're an employee, no matter what. And then that way. Oh no, not at all. You can have seasonal staff that are only with you for, for three months, right? Like there's no guarantee that you have to plug your ears. I don't know if I like this lady anymore. (laughs) 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 But you know, I mean, but I think this is important, especially for a lot of us event planners that are out there. I mean, we're all small businesses. Basically we, everybody that I know basically started kind of in from their house, you know, and yeah. said, I picked up a client, picked up a second client and built a business over time, over time until, and things got bigger and bigger and bigger. There mm-hmm. is going to be that moment that you go, okay, when is it time to now switch over to having employees versus W9s? And okay, yeah. we're now a form, you know, a, a an actual business, yeah. uh, you know, that is, I don't, uh, I don't even know how to really say this, like more defined I think is, is what I'm looking for. Yeah, more, more to defined. Me, the benefits of having an employee are huge, right? So I think, like I said, I think that paperwork is really scary for people or they think, oh, I'm going to have to pay taxes. Reality is the federal tax requirements only 7%, right? So you as a business owner don't actually have much more. In, in Florida, we only have like workers' compensation that's like 0.02%. Other states have other, you know, employee taxes, but it's not even that much. So don't think of the cost and don't think of the paperwork. To me, the benefit of having an employee is that that person is truly a part of your company. Right. And the relationship shifts for the positive. It's like, it's win-win for the um, business owner and it's win-win for the staff person. Cause all of a sudden now it's like, you're really a part of that team, like on such a deeper level. And your chances are, if you have contractors that are kind of like, you know, straddling the line a little bit, they already feel a lot for your company as it is. This right. is going to just ratchet it up to another level. It's, it's a whole other you know, level of commitment that everybody has to each other also, you know, it's, it's the employee to the company, but it's also the employer to the, to the staff person. It's so much more family focused once you can evolve to that employee place. Well, I feel like there's like a little dirty underbelly thing going on that I part of a little bit uh, that, you know, because there are so many people that use this as extra money, extra time, you know, it's much easier for like a $300, you know, Oh, oh you, yeah. got, you know, got paid $300 for this yeah, and that yeah. move on kind of thing that yeah. don't get reported. You know, we understand that, that that's all part and that's of real talk. You know yeah. what that happens and it's going to, and that's fine. You know, it is what it is, you know, I'm right. not going to. Yeah. But you know, there, I, again, it's like, how do you take that business to, to the next level? I do understand about the fact that, you know, it, it becomes more family oriented, oriented. People feel like they're part of the team. I mean, yeah. I, I, when I got Brooke business cards, her face lit up like, 
Like oh, Christmas tree. Like, I literally heart. built an office inside my multi-purpose room that does like four things now. <laughs> On this side is like the and that's the biggest part of my room now is like in my office for that. Oh, oh see, it. she takes her job seriously, kids. Kind yeah, of. No. Yeah, no, I do. <laughs> but you know, that was like it's kind cool. of the first step. And then and yeah. then talking to you, it's like gonna be one of the things that I start looking into going, okay. Is it worth making or bringing her on as an employee and just because yeah. I feel like I need to at this point? Yes, for sure. It's, I mean, without getting into all the details of your business or your relationship, right, it right. seems like it. Yeah. Well, no, I feel like it, you know, it's, it's now is the time, especially because you said, you had said before we went on air that we are, we are in a in a cycle of upward business for the next two years. Uh huh. Yes. I mean, yes. You feel like that? You feel like that? Oh, you know. at least two years. This is the boom that we <laughs> Everyone that's still standing is like, this is what we're waiting for. Now, we, we may, you know, grow more gray hairs and things like that because of oh, all yeah. the work we have. But it's, let me tell you, it's good to be working, right? So, um, yeah, people want to party. People want to party. It's not just the postponement of events from last year. There are a lot of people who are eagerly wanting to party. and. Um, it's again, it's not just people like, well, we didn't want to get engaged because of the pandemic. It's people that like, well, we may not have always wanted to celebrate kids' birthday parties, but now, God damn it, I'm having a kids' <laughs> birthday party every single yes, year. You know, <laughs> I'm yes. doing that. I'm doing everything. We're celebrating everything forever. <laughs> I know, and you know, and the other part of that is that there was a lot of stimulus money out there, but you know, we're finding we're running into lots of issues with hotels and their staffing. I mean, it's just crazy. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes. I mean, it is. It well, gets yeah, to we a point. The staffing things. thing is the staffing side is the complicated part of our industry right now. Events and right. It, the hospitality triggers into our industry, and um, uh, there's going to be a very big shift in how the labor market in all segments of the yeah. of the country and world, to be quite honest, is going through this huge, massive shift in terms of how people work from home or don't work from home, but hours and pay and, you know, you know, share jobs. I do think that we are in the next 20 years going to see a change in IRS defining contractors and employees. What we really need is something in the middle. That's truly a gig worker. It's been needed for the last 20 years. And I think we'll see it, but the IRS is so late. We're not going to see it for another 20 years, but it's going to (laughs) happen. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So anyways, there's a huge shift happening. I'm, in hospitality, it's really, really strong. It's going to trigger into our industry. Um, and uh, the good news is that there's a lot of jobs to be had by people right now. And, and that to me is exciting. I think that anytime when there's like more opportunities for people to work in different fields and possibly jump fields, it's just better for, for everybody. So I, lo- I love the fact that you said that there needs to be an in-between because yeah, I, yeah. I literally, I literally started to sweat during this conversation. <laughs> and I mean, I was like, I was like, I oh my like God. I know. I mean, I was like, oh my God, I'm doing this wrong. I need to fix this. And no, you're not. Right. And, and well, and that's the thing is that I, I, I feel like there needs to be an in-between. There needs to be it something for, be yeah. especially for the event industry, because yeah. again, everything is so 
it's not the same as like working for a restaurant where, you know, you only make $2 and 15 cents an hour. So many industries. Look at what Uber has gone with. I don't know if you followed like any of the litigation and it's usually like state-based, like California has been really huge. California has taken this contractor IRS rule and they have their own law called 85, which is like, it's basically this contractor law on steroids. Like it's so hard to do business there, hire contractors, like truly hire contractors. Contractors there. And so Uber has been one that's like, no, they are contractors. They have their own cars. They have their own thing. And and California is like, no, they're employees. This is where the gig worker needs to exist. It's not just events industry. There's so many shifts in how businesses run these days in this, you know, shared economy that, you know, need to have this gig worker. Marcy? Is there anything that we can do as people in the industry? to facilitate the government to maybe add that feature earlier than like 20 years that it's probably going to take them. Is there anything that we can be doing? That is such a good question. A loaded question. I I don't know know that the IRS is like easy to move. Like who are the (laughs) lobbyists that go into, right? I, I think if we're going to see it, we're going to see it from technology companies, right? Like I think that it's going to have to be the Ubers of the world that help all the rest of us. Um, And, you know, and and Uber has a hard time doing it. Uber's like only one example, but um, there are other industries and, you know, trying to kind of see if some of those, but here's the thing. Um, as much as I think it's going to happen, the fact that AB5 came up in the last two years in California, which is even a tighter screw of that, right. is almost like a step behind from it, right? That's um, what I was but thinking. usually I was things like... have to do that. Like we have to go to one extreme to finally get to the point where things are moving to the other side, right? So to me, so so far, everything we've talked about has scared me. Yeah, I'm like, I can handle it. I have to tell you, though, like, whenever I I give this talk or I give this presentation, people are in the audience like this. Like, I know. I mean, come on. There's a moment that you're like, whoa, really? (laughs) I'm doing everything wrong. The IRS is coming after me I got to call my tax lawyer because I don't even have a tax lawyer. I'm like, oh my God. I'm not going to answer. You don't need a tax lawyer. Just go to gusto.com and just start learning a little bit more about what it looks like to bring on an employee. You're going to be fine. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. I, well, and I, and I do like to, the, the fact that you, we, I'll go back to, you know, it feels like they feel a little bit more perm- permanent. They feel like they, you know, the, I'm talking about the employee, by the way, yeah. um, that, you know, they uh, have a buy in into the business. Yes. Yes. You know, they've well, bought that's what into happens it. when you're dying. That's, a, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to use. Yeah. They have a buy in. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to be said with that. But, you know, when you when I think about bringing on employee, though, then all of a sudden I start thinking about standing operating procedures. I start thinking about, you know, employee handbook. I start thinking about all the little mm-hmm. pieces and signatures that I used to have to have, sign when I started on with somebody else. You know, and what do we... Baby what, steps, baby yeah. steps, baby steps. And I'm just, super judgy. And if I don't like you, it's not happening. You're out. I quit. Unless you can do what I do, it's not happening. So I do have like a little bit of a... I don't have an ego, but I know that like um, I, I can 
push that one, maybe two things, and that's about it. Other than that, I still have to like listen. I know, but I mean, so so here you are in a stationary company. I'm gonna go way back to back to your yeah. your because I love you, Jonah, by the way. <laughs> right. So so we go if you you're back at your stationary business. Did you have employees when you were owned your stationary business? I did. That's how I learned a lot of this stuff. Um, was hiring them and Gosh, I don't know. I never considered having contractors. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was always employee of different companies. And so I I understood the process of being employed by somebody. And so it never really occurred to me. I'd also worked in jobs where there were shifts, right? I was a barista for Starbucks in college and things like that, right? And so I kind of understood that. I also worked for really great companies that had amazing benefits. And I, what I realized, it wasn't necessarily about being able to offer all the benefits. It was about how you made people feel. And so I really loved that um, nurturing relationship that you can have with your employer or your boss, right? For lack of a better, boss has such a bad name, but it can be such a powerful thing. And I love that mentor relationship that you can have with a really great boss or the opportunity to mentor others. Right. And, I, and I had that. I, I had it at Deloitte. I had it at Starbucks. I had it at Coach. So I worked with some really amazing companies that I'd, I'd seen the benefits of having really strong teams. So what is one thing? Okay, so uh, I'm I'm a new business. Yes. I've, I've survived COVID. I'm, I, and I'm going to say event planner because that's what sure. I can relate to. I'm yeah. an event planner. My business has finally gotten to a point that there is steady business on the books for a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is one thing that I could then... Uh, put into practice that would make me a business better, a better business person just in general as a better oh business gosh. owner. Well, okay. Let's, oh, assume, a couple you things. Have, a couple let's things. assume you have your business plan. Cause I always tell right. people like the first thing you start with is a business plan. I have my vision board. You've got your vision board. I love it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say you need to have a financial plan. So this is a, we're taking a different step away from, you know, staffing and operations and things like that. Like you need to know how your business is going to make money. And I, as creatives and artists, I always think like people kind of put this on the back burner. Cause let's be real. Like nobody, nobody starts an event business to become the next Steve jobs. Cause that doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> but you, you do, this is way too much work to not be thinking about the dollars behind the business. And so you really do need to think about having a financial strategy in place. Like how are you going to make money over the next few years? Right. Um, so we'll be talking about a financial, like a business financial picture overall yeah. on a basis. So let me break this down into like three parts of like financial strategy. Cause I think people get really like mumbled with like, Oh, I have my tax guy. And then I got my bookkeeping and then it's right. Okay. So there's three, there's three pieces of financial strategy. You've got your tax strategy, which most of us have tax people. Thank God, because that's convoluted and nobody really wants to do it. The second piece of your strategy is bookkeeping. That's where you're recording what's happened in your business, right? I spent, $10 on a Starbucks with a client that goes into my QuickBooks expenses, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's recording. That gives you the power to look at data, to look at reports and say, oh, this is how much money I made last year, right? So that's bookkeeping. 
and I gotta be honest, that's not the sexy side of accounting and finances. Like, but <laughs> you you have to know what your business has done in the past to make decisions in the future. And that's the third piece. So that's the strategy piece. That's where you get into like sales forecasting, expense budgeting, cash flow planning. That's the fun side to me because I love when people are like, I wanna grow my team, I wanna grow my business, I wanna make a million dollars. And I'm like, yes, let's do it. How do we get there? Right. And so Creating that path for people is so powerful because here's the thing. We are not always very good with risk. And so we're holding ourselves back from making changes in our business because we can't see anything. We're walking around blind. And so we're like, oh, I don't know if I can bring on that staff person. I don't know if I can expand my office to Palm Beach. Like, I don't know what I can do because you you literally don't know what you can do. You, you have no sight. Right. And so a financial plan, a financial strategy is going to show you like, oh, wait a second. I can do this. I've got all these contracts coming in. I also know that I can book additionally, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm going to have this much money and I spend this much. That means I can do these things. And all of a sudden risk goes away. It's so crazy, but risk goes away when you have a financial strategy in place. It's interesting because I, I, I have both of those, by the way, the tax strategy and the bookkeeping, because one of the things I really realized is after I had been doing my books for, my, for myself, and, and I actually have to credit my mother on this because she said, you have to do your own books for your first three years. I don't oh, care who you are. She said, you need to be, you need to understand the, how the money is coming in and where the money is it's going. going so that way, very right? Exactly. So that way you can look at your reports and you yeah. absolutely understand that. That is uh, the best advice. Right. And so it's been huge, but it also let me see that, you know, there were times that I was leaking money and I was like, yeah. where am I leaking money from? How am and I? Here's and my it, purse. Right. <laughs> and it, right somebody, that's right. right. Right into Burke's purse. But you know, I, re I realized it, and it was never big uh, items. It was $5 here, $12 there, $50 there, $60 there. Oh, there's a membership that I don't remember being part of, but my is automatically withdrawn. And it's amazing what happens when you start doing your own books and you start doing yes. and, and you're logging that every single time and you start going, wait a minute. What is this crunch fitness? I haven't worked out since 2009. I, there's no way I, you know, I have a fitness plan on here. And it, yeah. it but, it, but I think it's, it's amazing. And, and it's one of those things that I'm really glad that I have to do. I hate doing it. FYI, I absolutely uh, hate so doing boring. it. I mean, even oh, it is so fun, boring. It's, it's really boring, but you're absolutely right. I tell people that all the time. Even if you have a bookkeeper, you need to know what's happening in your book so that you yep. can make decisions so that you can find those little leaks in your business for sure. Yeah, well, well, and what happens if your bookkeeper is not so great and, you know, they're skimming two or, or three percent? I'm just saying. <laughs> I've, seen that. I've seen that. It's true. Right? Because, I mean, you, you you hope that people are honest, but they just aren't, you know, in, in many ways. Sometimes um, it's not honesty. Sometimes it's they're not as skilled as you thought they were when you hire them. And people are hiring people that they don't really know what to look for always. And that person's not, maybe not recording things in the best way. Right. Well, so here's another, and this is not so specifically with anything that I would consider like numbers oriented. It's more like a feeling, you know, I, when I built this business and I created it, I, one of the things that I've always said is that I wanted to be super supportive of, of anybody that I was working with. Like I am a huge supporter of Brooke about her starting her own thing at some point, yeah, you know, good. 
push her out of the nest kind of thing. Good, She's like, good, absolutely good. not. Screw you. When but, you can replace me, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But, and then but then I have job security. <laughs> right. But, you know, but there's also that other part of you, you've built this, you've created this. Nobody really understands the amount of work that goes mm-hmm. into building mm-hmm. something. I mean, and it's, it can be multiple things. You know, how do you then protect yourself against, I don't know, not even identity theft? Yeah, maybe it's identity theft a little bit or or theft of processes and procedures and things that you've put into place. Or do you just say, well, look, that's just the name of the game. You, I stole from somebody else at some point. You know, I figured out like what they were doing and incorporated it into my world. Yeah. You know, I is it? You as a boss or a mentor have a spirit of generosity, it's going to come to you. There's like immense loyalty that comes from that, um, you know, pushing the baby bird out. Like, you know, I'm, I can sense already that Brooke has in, like immense loyalty because of that respect that you have, you know, for her and the generosity yeah. that you have with her, you're going to get so much more. And so I was similar in my invitation staff. I was always like, listen, I know you're not going to work with me for a hundred years. That's not realistic. So if there's anything I can teach you to carry on, like I want you to have that, right? Because I want you to grow from this job. And let me tell you, people stuck around for a lot longer than I think. I think they needed another job because I didn't maybe pay them (laughs) enough or I I didn't give them enough hours or whatever it was, but they loved that generosity and they, they stuck with me for a long time. Here's the thing. Even if you do have a bad apple that might come through, it's not going to be Brooke, I can tell, no, that not. comes through that like steal, steals your secret sauce. It's like, really? Well, what's the secret sauce that they like stole? Your timeline for your client? Like, how right. are they really going to execute on that? Like, you know, the magic of what we do in events is like the execution, right? And nobody can, you know, reproduce Keith Willard, right? Like, right. so yeah, take the timeline. Who cares? There's a gazillion timelines out there in the world that you can take from um really what's the secret sauce it's your soul right it's your relationships and and nobody can nobody can steal that well and plus there's so many personality they want to do business with you right like they don't care i can give somebody you know my cash flow listen this has happened to me i've had workshops stolen i've had templates stolen. i've had so many things stolen but at the end of the day it's like well nobody knows numbers in this industry like me so there's nothing there to be stolen (laughs) well and there is something there is something to be said about being self-assured and uh, at to a point that you're like, look, there is not another me on out there. And and it's funny that you even said timeline because I, obviously, I, well, not obviously, I will use timeline genius now. And, and oh, oh I my love god, timeline genius. <laughs> like, we had Eddie Babbage on a couple of weeks oh, ago, so and he was sweet. oh my god, he was such a nice I guy. Love him. <laughs> um, but you know, what do you think about this work com- uh, work compete clause? that you see in some people's like, you know, I, I don't understand it. Actually, all, all the legal advice that I've ever gotten is it won't hold up in a court. So yeah, go ahead, have somebody sign a non-compete agreement, yeah, but non-compete, everything that I've ever read or been advised on is that it's very hard, almost impossible to enforce because right. you cannot prohibit somebody from, working disclosure is more powerful yeah. and so if you have a non-disclosure that lists <laughs> out some of your do- documentation that's more powerful to use than a non-compete 
Yeah, so I don't understand non-competes, and it's one of the things that Brooke and I had long conversation when I first met her was a, a non-compete yeah. that she had with another company. I'm like, don't worry about them. <laughs> non-competes that you know they're not even worth the paper that they're written on. I mean, I don't. Before That's we get exactly too far it. in, because I want to talk about something, because I don't talk that much. Um, yeah. and it's about when you were you were saying like chemistry, personality, and the bird leaves the nest. True story. Keith was like within one year. He's like, we're already structuring like percentage of warehouse goods for me to have to go on my own yep well i didn't sign up I, can i do this can i do just as good as a, jo- a job uh, with a different personality but almost the same as keith of course yeah. he knows that he can give me yeah. any wedding right now and yeah. go off overseas and know it's gonna be handled perfectly yeah. i didn't sign up to do this by myself i signed up to do this with keith and that's ah, yeah. look at her that look yeah. at you Love it. I love what I do. That's cool. The relationship that was formed. I mean, it was a Boston employee at first, and he's turned into my biggest, one of my two best friends. Well, and I'm also your biggest friend. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. That's so true. I think people don't realize in our industry, we're so scared of people walking out or stealing our shit or whatever. Right. Am I allowed to curse on this show? I'm sorry. Yes, you are. We say okay. shit all the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ask Eddie. Um, yeah, ask so Eddie. Exactly. We're so paranoid about that. But the reality is most people in this industry don't want to be bosses. Most people want to be able to do good work and get mm. paid for it. And so many people start businesses because they don't have somebody that will employ them to do the work. Right. Um, I think 80% of business owners in this industry would... If you were to go back in time and say, oh, when I started my business 10 years ago, oh, even me as this invitationary designer, like right. if 15, 16 years ago, somebody had said, Michelle, we want you to come and work in an amazing stationary business. We love, we know you love stationary. Will you come work for us and we'll pay you X, Y, Z? I, I would have been like, yes, yes. There's no, <laughs> even though I'm very entrepreneurial, it was much more about being able to create. And if someone's going to pay me for it, even better. Right. Even better. Marcy, you were going to say something? Yes. Um, you know, if you have employees and you wanted to put something like that, they cannot take or discuss your clients to another mm. competitor. Is that something that could be put in a, um, a non-inclusion, you know, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I would, I would do that in a non-disclosure. And so a non-disclosure, that's- excuse me. I'm not a lawyer, so this is where I'm kind of like getting um, in an area Nervous. that's not <laughs> me. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, it's a backup a little bit, but that's, a, um, that's all right. You just put in your I disclaimer. Have been advised by lawyers. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Go talk P.S. to your own lawyer. <laughs> and what I personally model. do is, yeah, in the non-disclosure agreement, things like um, client relationships is one of them. Also, things like it, it can be any um, procedures that we have within the company. You can't disclose that to another employer um, or to a future employer. You can also include like trade secrets. Right. Um, you can also include like a uh, vendor direct, like a vendor directory. Like you can't disclose that to a future employer um, or to another organization. Um, yeah, there's tons of stuff that you can include in there. Also, you can include things like branding and copywriting protection. So Keith, a while ago, you had mentioned like an employee handbook. This is where an employee handbook can be helpful. And 
employee handbook is a little bit different from like operating procedures. Operating procedures is kind of like your your procedural, like your production process, right? Right, right, right. But like employee handbook is like, if you like, don't talk to press without getting authority from the owner of the business. Don't post on social media um, under your own account unless you've tagged our account. Like it's all of your rules of being an employee. Right. Basically, oh, integrity, and then well, you have to bullet point every single thing you right. cannot do. Well, and, <laughs> that and you should already is, know not to. Exactly, well, like you should just be a good person. Right, but unfortunately, well, there's not all of those people. No, in the world, not so all. I do understand yeah, and some that. people don't know. Like some people don't have common sense. Like how why are you posting on your social media picture of the bride getting dressed? Like no. Right. Well, the other, you know, the big one would be don't reach out to um, our previous clientele. You know. They're my yeah. clientele, not your clientele kind of thing. And if you yeah. go off on your own, you yeah. should not be able to reach out to them yes. after you've been working for me. But I totally get that. Oh, my God, Michelle, you've been amazing, amazing, amazing. I hope you um, stay with us for After the Veil. Yes, absolutely. All right. So we're going to have a quick word from Mike Sype Entertainment, and we'll be back in 30 seconds. See you shortly. More than just entertainment, we understand the importance of the entire wedding day celebration. From the moment you select the date until the day of the celebration, we are there to provide you and your family with the peace of mind you deserve. Mike Sype Entertainment of Vincent Productions has been providing entertainment and production nationwide for over 30 years. Our company motto is your day, your way. And our mission is to provide our clients with the most unforgettable entertainment experience while promoting an atmosphere of trust and togetherness. Learn more at themikesite.com. Welcome back. Uh, so Brooke always runs off to, you know, use some use the facilities during this time. She'll be back when she gets back. But, you know, uh, as I was watching my, the Mike Sype uh, commercial, I was realizing that our, our South Florida community is so small anyway. And, you know, one of the big things that people probably get into and maybe should be thought about is, is, how you talk about previous employers or employees. I mean, I feel like it makes the person saying something bad look bad versus what they're saying about somebody else. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't understand the whole idea of when you have a bad situation, a bad meeting, a bad interaction, you know, why would you talk about that? You know, it's much, you, a lot more can be said with, we had a disagreement and that's really all I'm going to really yeah. talk about. You know completely, what I mean? Completely, completely. Yeah. Because then yeah. they, then of course it actually stirs them up a little bit. They're like, Oh, he's being very quiet about that. Well, then you're, really just kind of, you're kind of feeding like this cycle of gossip. And again, you're so right. Like if someone's talking badly about somebody else to me, it's like, well, what are they going to say about me when I'm not around? Like that's, that's what I always think is like, yeah. So you don't want to be talking badly about it. How very dare you? It's tacky. It's classic. It's brief. 100%. 100%. So why did you, first of all, okay. You had a stationary company. How, how hard was it to, have this company, the stationary company, when I feel like I don't feel like people really give it justice of how, yeah. how, what a specialty kind of art form this is. I mean, yeah, and that was like mid 2000s, so yeah. it was different. I feel like people do respect it a lot more. All that being said, I feel like the online digital printing has changed the industry so much. I'm glad I didn't have to compete with the minteds of the world. It's like, it's a whole different ball of wax. Right. 
Um, so I think because I was there in the mid 2000s, um, like 2004 is when I started my stationary business. Right. I, I was just talking with somebody about how much easier it was to compete in those days. I mean, on the knot, there were only maybe five vendors in my area. Wow. And I was in Seattle and I was like one of the first June bug vendors when June bug first launched. Oh, yes. right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when they used to have their little, their little list, their best, the best oh, of 10. So like I was one of the first ones, you know, with Blair you know and Christy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but that is the case. I mean, I, but being in in an industry where, especially in on the wedding side of it, I mean, it is amazing how many people think that oh, I could do this, I can uh-huh. easily do this, yeah. you yeah. know. And it's it doesn't matter now. It's no. a totally different thing. I feel like it was so much easier to compete sixteen years ago. Well, and then of course now you here you are, and and people I'm sure come to your speaking engagements and go, I could do that. I'll, Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I I can get up in front of everybody and, and keep everybody kind of focused for an hour and really be able to, I mean, what is it like for you now being on the speaking circuit and, and being in front of a thousand people? Like, do you feel like there's an anticipation of everybody coming to it about what kind of speaker you're going to be or what they're going to get out of it? I mean, God, that's a lot of stress. a buildup. I would say that speaking has changed a lot too. Um, it used to be, um, I used to be, I think it used to be something that was a little bit more special, right? right. So there were fewer speaking engagements. Right. They, they typically used to pay except for the biggies, right? Like the, the biggies, uh, the organizations and things like that didn't always have funds for that. Right. Um, but it's changed because there's so many, um, that, um, think it's kind of changed the specialness of what you also receive isn't always um, like it's not as intimate sometimes yeah exactly yeah yeah um and is that because of the internet you think yes completely i also think Mm. like there's so much more access to education right you used to go to a conference and it'd be like this is the one place i have to learn this thing and i'm gonna learn i'm gonna take notes and now it's like you can do a course and you can do this and you can do deeper dives than even in in a um an hour-long presentation. But let me tell you, the thing that hasn't gone away is the 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 one-on-one relationships that you can build at conferences. To have that FaceTime with people is still so powerful. Still it's, so powerful. And I and, for, and I and I tell people all the time it's like, "Oh, should I go to the conference?" I'm like, "Yes, you should yes. go to the conference." Yes, oh my god. 1000%. You, You're not going to get the same from the online course at all. You're not even going to finish the online course. Let's be real here. That's true. Absolutely. Or you're going to or you're going to fast forward <laughs> fast forward through it. But you know, it's not just that. It's a, it's just the people meet meeting people one on one and you build those relationships and memories. Yes. You know, when when you go out after a conference and you have dinner, with people, which inevitably happens, you know, there is just something about that conversation that goes on that you start building those ties. And so yes. that night, next time you, maybe you need something and you go, you know what, I'm going to reach out to Michelle. She was so awesome. Do you remember yeah. that dinner that she, she, you know, she brought up so many different things that we were talking about. I mean, I yeah. feel like it's the one-on-one networking. And I know during COVID we all adjusted to the online networking thing <laughs> and it never felt the same. Never. It never did. It never did. And let me tell you, I'm, I'm still have great relationships with people that I met at like things that don't even exist anymore. Eventology. It was like some little intimate, you know, wedding industry thing, like 12 years ago. Yeah. Still friends with those. Some of those people have hired me. Sometimes I've hired some of them, right? Like those relationships that you make in those one-on-one meetings at conferences, even if you 
are shy and only talk to two people, you never know where it's going to go from those two people that you talk to. Well, Brooke's Maybe coming. Your next employee. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know? Well, so yeah, you know, Brooke's coming to Las Vegas, so she's not going to the the overall conference, but she is going to be hanging out with all the conference people because we're we're going to be hanging out all week. But uh, and, well, and actually, you're coming to the the welcome reception and the gala. What am I saying? You're going to be part of it. Yeah, but this like is kind of just spot. Yeah, I'm going somewhere, honey. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> but you know, the nice thing is, is that this is her first foray into what it's oh, like. Oh. Right? I'm super excited. Like half the people that have been on the show for the year, year and a couple few months, year and a quarter maybe. With yeah, we're gonna see them. I'm gonna physically get to. Well, they get to meet me. This That's is Miami. Are you guys talking about Vegas or Miami? Vegas. 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 Oh, Vegas. Oh, oh, oh. Vegas. Vegas. Okay. Okay. Are you guys gonna be at the special event? Uh, we're we're actually, so we, I have Brooke and I have a summer intern as well that I bought tickets to for the first day to go to the exhibit hall to do the keynote speaker. And I think one other event and I got to look up the tickets, but you know, at least we it's here. So it's nice because, you know, you got to pick and choose your conferences because they get really expensive really quick. I mean, really quick, you know, exactly. I'll be there. I'll be here because I'm in Miami. So I'll be at the conference. So so look, look me up. Let's connect and at least say a quick hello. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Like that. yeah. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah. and a lot of people don't realize how, you know, how much Miami and South Florida really has to offer. I mean, you know, one of the things that Governor DeSantis Wait, did is that they never shut us down. Don't you think that people in the last year have realized everyone has moved to South Florida? Like, <laughs> I know. Stop. <laughs> I know. I feel like that. that, that it, it dies, right? It feels like everybody moved to South Florida because they were like, well, if I'm going to have to go somewhere, I might as well be by the beach. Yeah. I used to say that we were the best kept secret because really, I don't think you're right. I don't think people yeah. realized how much we had to offer. And I think everyone think, oh, oh, this is amazing being here. And it's like, okay, you can stop. Yeah. We're good. We're good. We're and no the, longer a secret anymore. <laughs> so the housing you, market has just gone crazy. Oh, I mean, nothing. Stupid. Nothing stays on for like more than a day. <laughs> I know. I know. So, uh, what, so what's your favorite? Which, uh, which, what, which one of your, I hate to even put you on the spot about this. Uh, how do I word this? So it doesn't put you on the spot. What is one of your favorite conferences and why specifically one of, because we all have multiples. Is there a favorite conference that you've gone to? And it could be uh, one that's coming up or past. And it could be a, a, a specific conference, too. Well, because... I have to say it's my own. And I know that I'm really, um, you know, yeah. I have limited perspective in that. But VCH conference, that. and the reason why okay. I love it is because it's intimate. It's never more than 100 people. Um, I matchmake everybody at tables. So you're typically sitting with people who I want you to learn from. Or I yeah. think that you have... Um, something in common, or you're going through similar challenges. Um, the speakers I select are always selected with what I call like grown up problems. So I'm targeting the <laughs> issues of like business owners who have been around for at least 10 years. Right. Um, so we're talking about things like an exit strategy. We're talking about how to employ um, oh, absentee smart. ownership. We're talking about. Um, you know, improving your retirement plan and hiring managers in your business and things like that. Grown up, grown up challenges. So talk about that a little bit. When is your conference? How do people find out more information about it? You know, what, give us a little bit of, uh, give us the, the 30 second sales pitch. Yeah. So it's every winter. Um, we are starting the planning for that right now. So it'll take place February or March, um, 2022, 
Um, and we're typically in a warmer climate. We'll need to see this year because of COVID. Everyone wants to do events in the South in the winter. So we may change things up a little bit, do something cozy and wintry this year. Um, but yeah, we um, typically have anywhere from six to eight speakers talking about experienced um, topics that you're not going to hear. We're doing deeper dives. We're doing a lot of mastermind sessions. Mm -hmm. um, and attendees are typically um, pretty well experienced in business. So you're sitting with people who have been in business a few years and facing the same kinds of things. So like, if you're getting, going something? to get your associates in business, this would probably be something you'd want to go sit on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so, but, I mean, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and why did you even start this? I mean, uh, we, we were talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and they, they also have a, a small conference that they do. Yeah. Um, and I was really interested to hear like why they started it. Why did you decide to start this? It, like, was it like, oh, it's a great way to bring attention to my business. It's a great way to educate yeah. my peers. I mean, what was the driving force be behind going, you know what? I can do a conference. My clients were no longer facing startup issues. And that's kind of what it came down to. And so we used oh, to teach. Yeah, we used to teach the simple plan, which was a two-day business planning workshop. So talking about business planning. And a lot of those people that I worked with in 2009, now they have businesses that are 10 plus years old. And a lot of them are, you know, continuous clients with me. And I started seeing them kind of going through the same thing where I have 10 people, 10 staff people, and I'm working like crazy with all these staff people. I was like, well, you need managers. And I started seeing a lot of my clients need to hire managers and not knowing how to relieve themselves of it, of the management position. And right. so inviting somebody to speak on like, what does it look like to hire a manager manager and step out of management and more into a CEO role of your business. Right. And so right. I started seeing these challenges with some of my more experienced clients. And I was like, man, there's no, there's no conference out there that's talking about some of these things. Oh my God. See, I love that. And you were like, look, there's a need. I'm going to fill this. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. but you know, that's, that's the entrepreneurial spirit there. Totally, I, totally. I'm just saying, <laughs> it is totally the entrepreneurial spirit because you're like, there's a need. I'm yeah. the one to fill that. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And the camaraderie of it too, right? I feel like if you've been in business for, you know, 10 plus, and I say 10 plus, but I'd say somewhere right. around five to 20, right? Right. Here's the thing, like you sometimes you're the last man standing in your in your market. Um, and and that sounds weird to say that, but there's fewer people that you then have to lean on when you're you've been in business 20 years and maybe the people around you are are you know five years in business, right? There's right less um peer uh, mentorship that can happen when that happens. Well, Michelle, you have been a doll. I, that is our, I can't, the hour's already done. Oh my God. Uh, I, and I have to tell you, I, I it, it is rare that I go through so many mixtures of emotions where I literally sweat to joy. To... <laughs> it was awesome. And you've given me a lot to think about because now I'm like really thinking, well, you know, does this make sense for me to, to bring on employees? Because, well, we all know that she, 
Brooke is already employed, but she, she, she <laughs> it's so funny. She like signed off. She's like, I gotta go. Okay. Anyway, so thank you again for, for being uh, on Behind the Veil. Thank and, you for having um, me. And I would love to hopefully have you on again in the future because I know oh, that we're going to do it. So yeah, fun. Because I feel like there's going to be some follow up questions I here love that, it. that I want to dive it. a little this deeper so into. Fun. I'll come on whenever you want. Awesome. Well, all right. So that's it for, for this Tuesday. Join us next Tuesday at two. We've got Angela Prophet that is going to be our guest next week. I know that it's going to be interesting. But for now, everybody say goodbye. Bye, Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for.